Hey everybody, man, I got an episode for y'all ass today. I have a gentleman who is one of the most talented, one of the most cerebral, one of the most just sharpest voices of commentary what's going on in the wrestling world and also one of the most talented comedians here in the uh, northern hemisphere everyone welcome in alfred quinoa what up always great to hear that applause it never gets old how you doing my guy bro i'm just so happy to talk to a fellow comedian and talking to a man who loves wrestling so we got two things in common um just so much going on in the crazy world um, let's start with the hot stuff first and then we'll work our way around. Um, very much like my ADHD, uh, <laughs> all over the place, dude, we got this whole Brandy and Cody Rhodes situation. I want to get your take on it. Um, do you think uh, I have a, this is me putting my tinfoil Dr. Umar Johnson hat on. Um, <laughs> I got, I think it's, what if it's the most well-constructed work in the history of pro wrestling and it's literally part of a storyline that's so sophisticated and everybody's in on it and then when it's all said and done at Revolution, Cody Rhodes comes out in his heel. Do you think this is possible or do you think it is a genuine thing? Um, your, th your thoughts, Alfred? I don't think it's possible. I mean, I know this crazy world we live in with pro wrestling, you always kind of have to ask in the back of your mind when it comes to stories like this, is this a work? And I'm just thinking of the logistics. If this was a work, they'd be doing it essentially for no reason. It would mean that Tony Khan was lying to some of the boys, which this early in his career as a booker is not something that you really want against your record because a lot of contracts are coming up. And if some of these boys decide that they can't trust you and that you're going to be kayfaving their contracts for storyline, I don't think it's going to help in the negotiation process. Uh, and just Cody leaving in the middle like this, I just think it's a case of, you know, we've been hearing some of these stories in terms of Cody being the odd man out of all the EVPs. And this just does fall in line with Cody's personality. He's leaving because, and this is something I really admire about Cody. Cody Rhodes knows the value of Cody Rhodes, or at least he knows what he thinks he should be worth. Mm -hmm. He will never go below that. He will never compromise that for anything. It's why after about a year of doing Stardust, he decided I'm out of here. Like you guys do not respect me. I'm going to go and, I could do better than the Starbucks thing, and he did. I mean, like, boy, did he ever. Mm -hmm. And now he's in that similar position where he wants a certain amount of money. He feels that he should be booking. He does not feel like his value is being matched. So now he's going to go to WWE, not necessarily, I think, for the booking power, it's so that he can show the world how valuable he really is. And I think he's going to know that AEW is watching, and I think there's always a possibility he comes back years down the line. Okay, so you think it's a for sure thing that Cody Rhodes is going to WWE. What percentage would you put that? I would put it about 80%. Nothing for sure in pro wrestling. I could see him maybe going somewhere else. I just would be very surprised if Cody Rhodes, given the money he can make in WWE, yeah. and given the incentive of WWE to just to tell people, we signed one of the founding members. Yeah. The second he got away from them, the second his contract was up, I think that's just too much temptation going on around for him not to sign. It would be, it would really be shocking. I think it would be a bigger story if he did not sign with WWE. I would be shocked. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm very interested. In, this is the thing. Col like you said, Cody does have some executive capabilities or aspirations, right? He's done it to a degree. He's a great, he, he is 
he was when AEW first started their superstar outside of Chris Jericho. And then you had John Moxley come over as well. My thing is, what if his aspirations are even bigger? You got Shane McMahon. We'll talk about Shane McMahon in a second. Um, but I really... You you don't think that he would buy like like maybe somehow get a hold of Ring of Honor and he's like the savior somehow maybe he's a reclam he's like one of those guys that wants to like flip things so he gets it and he flips it makes it great and then he leaves you don't think he'll go to like a Ring of Honor NWO at NWA and becomes the talk of all of the internet wrestling community and he revitalizes a brand and he carries it on his entire back you don't think his aspirations like that where he'll go into a WWE system where he's just a clog actually you know he'll definitely be. I think it'll be presented with relative respect. I don't know where he'll be in terms of the pecking order, but you don't you, you don't think that is just as um, interesting story as well, like an NWA or a Ring of Honor, like being the savior and reclaiming and, and, and redesigning it and being the face of something like that? It could. It, from a pro wrestling standpoint, that'd be amazing. Uh, I just don't think that pro wrestling has as much to do with his departure as it was money. I mean, everything I've heard I think it's just money. is okay. that... It's uh, money. I think money is at the top of the list. I think it's a couple of things. I think it's power. It's ego. It's Tony Khan deciding he wants to book instead of dividing that up. And it's freedom. So from that standpoint, in terms of being free and being able to control storylines, maybe he would go to like the NWAs and that. It's just the money of like the difference in pay he can make. This is a guy who just had a child who he's pretty well off. I'm not saying that he's destitute or anything. He's pretty damn well off, but the the money he can make with WWE is life changing. And if he was to do a passion project around the country doing Indies, he could make good money. It would be nothing compared to what he can make in WWE right now. Yeah, I don't see Indies. I would say him, like, he would be the president of the chief operator of all of Ring of Honor. He'd be, like, the, the top president of head of everything and the big runner and still wrestle as well and basically be the big cheese in an organization like that. I could see that as well. But you said, again, that eight, that WWE money gets, gets better and 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 better. So my question to you with that is, if you were to say a price range for him, would you say he gets a three-year type deal, three million a year? Do you think it's bigger than that? What do you? How much do you think Cody's betting on himself? What do you think would be the market value, like the bottom shelf volume? You'll think he'll get in the top shelf money that you think personally. So AJ Styles just re-signed with WWE, and I'm, by all accounts, it's around three million dollars. And mm-hmm. top line WWE pays for like a Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. That's reportedly around five million dollars. Mm-hmm. I expect Cody Rhodes to get five million dollars. Wow. Uh, for this WWE contract. I really do. I really think that he's going to get in that range. And it's funny because you bring up the aspect of it being a work, and a lot of people have compared this to a situation with Brian Tillman where mm-hmm. he left and him and Eric Bischoff are supposed to have some deal where he goes to WWE and comes back, but he ended up signing with WWE and kind of double-crossing Bischoff. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because if this is that type of work with Cody, WWE will pursue Cody with a thousand sons. And if he <laughs> eventually, let's say he's working everybody by leaving and him and Tony Khan are in on it, like there, everybody's got a price. So there could be a time where we could see something like if it was a work with, you know, I don't think it is, but we could see like a double cross situation where WWE just offered him so much money that he's able to go there. Five million dollars is nothing to WWE. It needs it's to not. Yeah, it's a sneeze. It's a sneeze. Yeah. They're, yeah, exactly. It's a sneeze. They're all all these wrestlers are underpaid. Like if you were to assume that every wrestler on the roster right now, there's 87 active wrestlers on the roster. Let's assume they all make $5 million, which is the top pay. Mm-hmm. That's still only 40% of WWE's revenue share. And, and I can tell you for a fact, they're not all making $5 million. Only yeah. a few people are making that type of money. WWE pays its wrestlers like 20% of its revenues, which is over a billion. Which, you know, so being able to pay Cody five, six, seven million million, $7 the only problem with that would be it's going to cost tension in the locker room. And people are going to feel a certain type of way about 
Cody coming in and getting all this money despite not being part of the WWE roster for years. Yeah, but you also have the lineage and the history. So there is, I, I get what you're saying as well. Um, my question is, where do we put him on the card, right? Is, is Cody top level? Is he Roman Reigns, Bobby Lashley, Big E level? Or is he like that Shinsuke Nakamura type level? Where do you honestly think? I think his name value is that of a Roman Reigns. And isn't it true? I think I might have seen on one of your um, pro wrestling bits that the, the ratings have gone up when just with the rumors of Cody. Is that true? No, they've actually gone down. I mean, in terms of viewership for AEW, that no, no, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying, I'm saying for for Raw and SmackDown. Oh yes, yes. I mean, Raw, even you can even show NXT. Like, I kind of made a joke that, like, you know, the day it happened was on an NXT Tuesday, and those ratings went up a little bit. Maybe because people might have thought that Cody's going to show up, but it's it's hard to connect Cody to the WWE viewership and whatnot. But I will say, Raw's numbers have been very good. Part of that is WrestleMania season. But the thing about WrestleMania season that helps ratings is that there's all these WrestleMania storylines. Like the one that just dropped today about Vince McMahon wrestling at WrestleMania. Like, oh, no. there's all these storylines that yeah. drop that people are interested in the product. So I think Cody, in a roundabout way, is helping it. Now, to your question about how is he going to be booked, let me tell you something right now. Taking politics and ego out of it, just me personally, I think Cody Rhodes is the main event. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. I agree. I just think so much. He is so Dusty's son in terms of how he thinks about the business. He's got this old spirit that I think really helps him, uh, but he's also very modern in how he thinks about wrestling. Yeah. So taking politics aside, I think Cody is the main event. Now let's include the politics. Let's include the mm-hmm. fact that he left Vince and went to AEW. I think because he left Vince, this man respects people like that. Vince McMahon respects people who say, you know what, Vince, screw you. I'm going to go make money somewhere else. When you do that, you get Vince McMahon's respect. It might not be fair to some of these guys in the locker room who are working their asses off, but when you leave like Drew McIntyre did and showed himself as a draw, he came back as a top star, right? Mm-hmm. You leave Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan almost put him out of business. Like one of WCW. He came back, uh, had a main event type match with The Rock at WrestleMania and was the bigger star than maybe he was when he left. And so on and so forth. So I think Cody is going to be treated as a main event, A, because it respects him for leaving and coming back as a bigger star, mm-hmm. and B, because they, he fell into their lap. Like, they weren't supposed to get a Cody Rose until there was all these free agents in 2024. So now we get to see kind of a sample size of what would it be like for an AEW wrestler to go to WWE. And if this buries him and plays his own political games, you're not getting Kenny Omega. You're not getting MJF. You're not getting some of these free agents who are going to be free in 2024. They're going to be paying a close eye to what's happening with Cody. And if they screw with Cody, Vince McMahon and WWE are not going to be able to wrestle some of these top free agents from AEW. That's true. They got to hold him with kid gloves. I agree 100%. He is a top of the car worker. He has the look. He has the charisma. He has the work style. And also, when you look at some of those segments that... Cody and Brandy wedged into AEW it was more WWE-esque than it was AEW and you could see where the audience responded so uh, toxically because of the way of its presenting it was more a WWE presentation style and you're right Cody Rhodes um, is I think he's a need, I definitely think he's a needle mover and I think he's a top of the card guy and I think that when he comes in if he does come in you have to make it a huge deal and I think when you talk about ratings and, and all the talk Cody is a ratings movie mover, and we'll see that. I, I think it was interesting. You did talk about uh, 2024 with MJF and Kenny Omega. Let's just say how, uh, Cody Rhodes gets the great kid glove treatment, right? He even gets a title shot. Let's just say two or three years down the line, Cody Rhodes is a one-time, at least a one-time. I can see him having the championship at least once. Um, 
Give me one second. Um, I can see Cody Rhodes at least having a championship once. Um, my question to you would be, um, who do you honestly legitimately think would jump ship if they were to jump ship? I see. I think if they got Kenny Omega versus like AJ Styles while AJ Styles is still there, or if they got like, I don't know if MJF's mouth though, his promos would be able to be on that corporate image that WWE is very, because he says things even with his most recent promo, even though he's speaking about his own personal experience, I was feeling, I was feeling a little bit kind of scared about where he was going to go with it. And he did kind of use language and things that could be by some people was not necessarily PG. Absolutely. That's a great point in terms of MJF's character, but I don't have any worries about him toning it down or tempering it or adjusting it for WWE. I just think MJF is that talented that if he's just given the creative license, and that's always an if with mm -hmm. WWE, but if he's given some sort of creative license to be able to cut his own style of promo, I think he'd be fine in WWE. And I know that WWE is interested in MJF. I do see MJF being a possibility. That's why I think it's so wild that Tony Khan with MJF, even if it is kayfabe, mm -hmm. like, MJF going on your television and saying, oh, it's going to be a bidding war. I love Bruce Pritchard and saying this stuff. Like, that stuff can work itself into a shoot. I've seen it time and again in this business where, oh, yeah, ha, ha, it's real funny that MJF is trying to get heat by saying he's going to WWE. But maybe WWE throws five, six million dollars at MJF and outbids AEW and says, let's continue that storyline on our television. Yeah. That could easily happen. Everybody's got a price. And WWE has all the money in the world. So, Ron Cunningham, I'm not letting him even hint that he's going to WWE on my television for sure not on my television yeah um and i also see jade cargill i think jade cargill oh, yeah. is somebody who is uh really excellent somebody who's perfect for wwe she could be their next china which if you remember china was a massive star not a women's star she was one of the biggest two of the most popular time they've ever had she was at one point one of their two or three biggest stars like, yeah huge draw needle mover oh yeah and uh, i think they could see that in a jade cargill probably because I just don't think Jade Cargill has been welcomed with open arms in AEW. She's this incredible performer who has got this great look and they're really running with her, but I feel like the fan base is so obsessed with professional wrestling, whatever the hell that means, yeah. that they're looking at her because she's not from the Indies, didn't quote-unquote pay her dues, brother, and they're saying, oh, she's green, this, that, and the other. All these complaints, they don't make about Hook. Like, everything you can say about Jade Cargill, you can also say about Hook in terms of inexperience, and, and being she, green. And she gets better but, yeah. every match. She's had 27 flipping matches, and she adds, even the last match, when she lifted a girl, the young woman up with one, basically one arm picked her up, and then she adds a new, unique wrinkle to every single match. She's getting better and only better. I don't even know. I, heard, I listened to an interview. She was on Grab City, which I listened to that interview. Um, my whole thing was... Um, they did put a big, because Jay Cargo does not need the money at all. She is right. married to a former all-star in the Major League Baseball. She is very wealthy. She's doing this out of the love of wrestling. So if, and, and the bad taste, because they said, oh, you know, your model, are you going to take this serious? Is like, they're going to have to pony up. I'm talking about, they got to pay her like three, four million. Five million, six million. They got to give her the same exact money. If you want Cody, I think her versus Bianca Belair, her versus Charlotte, Ooh. her versus um, her versus Bianca Belair literally could be like uh, the Rock versus Austin. Um, Let's go for literally. Three, you could do three. Her versus Sasha Banks. You can just book it. You just book it. Whatever you want. Um, that way, I do honestly think I. I don't know if this is something that the the, the wrestling wrestling community is talking about. Kenny Omega's run in AEW, even though he was supposed to be the greatest big bout machine in the history of wrestling, he had all those belts. I truly didn't feel, even though he did all those things, he was such a great wrestler, his star power did not come over. And I don't know if AEW is, 
I think people who naturally have that capability will, will are getting over. But Kenny Omega, in my personal opinion, ha- didn't reach the pinnacle of over or the pinnacle of stardom that he. Po- I think the production value, I think the money and the type of production that a- the WWE can put behind a person and really make them feel like a star. I think Kenny Omega could do wonders in that organization because they have all the vignettes, they have all the money, they have all the production, they have all the the pageantry, and I think AEW is still. Even though they've gotten better with their production, they're still like 1996 WCW, 1990. I think they were at 1995 WCW in the early years. Now they're getting closer to 1996, 1997 WCW, but they're far away. And how do you honestly feel about Kenny Omega's um, run? I, he's a, I know he's a star, but I just don't know if, this, if his wings can truly be fully spread and really appreciated internationally as the big draw that he is within AEW's walls. And I don't think it's been fully accomplished there so far. That's a good point, and it's very nuanced, and I mostly agree with that in terms of, I agree Kenny is a star. I agree he's even a draw. Like, when he was main eventing pay-per-views as champion, they were doing really good numbers. They're down now with Hangman on the page. I mean, you can't really get Kenny credit for the all-out pay-per-view. That was all CM Punk in his return. Other than that, though, numbers were very, very good in terms of Kenny Omega being champion. I think he carried himself very well as a champion. And even seeing Hangman Adam Page is world champion right now, you compare that to Kenny Omega, it's night and day. I just don't feel like Hangman Adam Page feels like that world champion the way Kenny Omega did. But also to your point, I agree that they do not market him as this superstar in terms of being the best dot machine. They tell you that, but I don't feel the marketing is there to set Kenny Omega apart. And obviously, I do believe that if WWE wanted to go all the way with a Kenny Omega, they could do so in a superior fashion to AEW to make him at the same level of a Roman Reigns. So oh, yeah. I think Kenny Omega gets the accolade. He's like the Daniel Day-Lewis almost, but that's not a fair comparison because Daniel Day-Lewis is like a box office star, and I do believe that Kenny Omega can move needles. Yeah. Uh, but he is more like the wrestler's wrestler. He's, he's the wrestler for people who appreciate the fine art of professional wrestling. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the hardcore. And so he's their guy, and they need to book him or promote him as more of a mainstream star. They, you know, you've already got those hardcore people. So, you know, maybe book him as a transcendent star, which is always easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that just given his star power, there are times that he does not, he does not match that major all-time wrestler that he's, promoted it yeah the panache that you would want you know you would yeah. want because they have the AWWE has that global audience Kenny Omega is an amazing worker he looks um, like a million bucks I could I mean literally if you think Cody would do something Kenny Omega going to WWE I think he could do a little bit more than AJ Styles and when you think about AJ Styles coming over ladder in his ladder you know not he still has many you know had many more years left under him in 2016 but he had traveled quite a bit he had been in TNA he had been in Impact and all those things and so when AJ Styles came over he had that big respected he almost was in the same level of Kenny Omega and then WWE put their little shine on him and they made him a big thing and basically he carried Smackdown as much as like a lot of people called Smackdown his show and, and where for many years smackdown was the rock show it was it was known as he was the guy that put smackdown on his back and then in a lot of ways aj styles put smackdown on his back so i could see like a raw having kenny omega uh doing that and i think that with his his athleticism and i think the type of wrestling he can do and what he can do in the ring with that global audience that that 
billion dollar presentation. I surely need AEW. They're, again, they're slowly but surely getting better with the presentation and the packages. But they, this is a question I've been thinking about philosophically, and we'll get on to the next point in a second here, but I really want to get from a dude who's a deep thinker. Philosophically, right? We know we have all in or, or, or all out, right? Right. WWE has a cultural event called WrestleMania. It goes beyond just wrestling. It is a cultural cultural phenomenon. It is the top one of the top grossing sports events, even more so than the World Series. I think even more so, getting close to the Super Bowl, and, and I think there it's in, in like the top five of sporting events in the entire United States of America. So it is literally a cultural phenomenon. You're filling a stadium up with a hundred plus people. What is AEW's answer to WrestleMania? They talk about a sports presentation. They talk about it being more realistic. They talk about it being the, the records matter. They do not have a March Madness type of thing. They do not have an event that feels as big and as global and as important and as prestigious as a WrestleMania. And they haven't got. And it's great to have they have these 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 these, these quarterly pay per views. They're great. But what do they have that's a feather in their cap that has the type of scale that a WrestleMania has had? And in three years of being an organization, they do not, they have, to me, in my personal opinion, and because I'm a sales and a marketing background, what do they have as an event that rivals a WrestleMania, that rivals a true sports-like feel that has a cultural relevance? And it, they, they, there's, there's, they still feel like an indie that's playing big, which is fine. And, and there's growth, as we know, of everything else. WWE's had many years to do this. But when do you think they'll get to an event that's a scale of WrestleMania that has that the final end-all, be-all, this is what we're wrestling, this is where our storylines get to. When do you think AEW is going to get to that point, or do you think they have something of that nature? I don't think they do, and that's a good point in terms of, you know, maybe by default, double or nothing is their WrestleMania, but just because that's their first, pay-per-view and that's kind of the anniversary point but it's not treated like a wrestlemania it's just the next pay-per-view and they don't really have anything where it's like after this pay-per-view there's a new season the way you feel in wwe so i completely agree with that and to answer your question we might get that answer as soon as wednesday you know it's what he kind of been saying and this is another thing that could just blow up in his face since i hope it doesn't people think i root against tony khan i do not and i hope this doesn't but this is another thing that tony khan has done that shows kind of a weakness in him is that he loves promoting things uh, bigger than they really were. Like he delivers with a lot of his teases where he says, we got something really big <laughs> and sometimes we'll get a peak Lee or whatnot, but sometimes we'll get something where, you know, I love Christian, but I don't think people wholly were excited and thought that it lived up to the massive hype of Tony Khan saying, this is one of my favorites. This is one of the greatest wrestlers ever. Uh, he'll outwork everyone. Like I think that was a little too bold of a prediction to then deliver Christian. And now here he is saying that he's got something massive and he's putting it together and he's signing MDAs. And I do believe that this is going to be a massive event, maybe at the level of a WrestleMania where it's going to be in Jacksonville, maybe at the CIAA stadium, uh, maybe a big stadium show, maybe an arena show. But I do believe that his announcement will be of a massive event and it'll be AEW's equivalent to a WrestleMania. And there might even be a caveat of we're going to work with New Japan people. That's why I think there are NDAs right now is that he's probably going to be working with people in other promotions, and it's going to be this super event of not only AEW's WrestleMania, but also working with other promotions. And that's my thing. If you're, if you're going to sell me on all elite wrestling, I've been an all elite wrestling fan since it was the, the infancy stages when they went across that stage and Chris Jericho put his stamp and carried that flag as well. My thing is, 
you need to have the cultural phenomenon. Wrestling is a brotherhood and sisterhood across many different natures, nations, many different countries, many different languages. And the beautiful thing about WrestleMania is it takes the entire wrestling community by storm. And it's such a cultural phenomenon where you are you are the creme de la creme of professional wrestling. Hopefully, they, they, if they don't do it now. They have to get to a point where they have an event that is must-see, where people are willing to spend $500, $1,000, where you're getting tourist money, where you're bringing millions of dollars, whether it's in Jacksonville or Chicago or whatever the case may be. You have to have an event. And thus far, in their short period of time being a full promotion, they have not lived up to that. They Great to have the pay-per-views, but we need a something on par, if not better. It has to be lit. The time is now. You're spending all this money and talent, but we're, what are you going to do to get that international money? That's the next step, right? Absolutely. And so I'm glad, I'm, I'm appreciative of your feedback with that. Now, as we talk about stars... We just had Keith Lee and Buddy Matthews coming over. I want your opinion about Keith Lee. Where do you honestly believe when it's all said and done? I know we're so early into his AEW run. When it's all said and done, how many championships, what championships do you see Keith Lee holding in all elite wrestling, in your personal opinion? I mean, it'll be very interesting because I do think that they're pegging Wardlow to win that face of the Revolution Battle Royal. Looks like I hate to admit it, but I can see Keith Lee winning that. And if he does, I can see him winning the TNT title. I hope he becomes AEW World Champion. There's really no reason why he shouldn't be promoted at the level in terms of being a world champion. Uh, when it's all said and done, I really hope we're talking about Keith Lee as one of the greats in AEW, but I am cautiously optimistic about that based on you know AEW and how they kind of dropped the ball, not on only not only on black talent, like Keith Lee has a double negative. He's a black talent and he's a big man. Yeah. And AEW screws both of those up routinely. Like, I know they're getting around to Wardlow and that's good, but I have expected this from Wardlow for the past year or so. Like, I really think that they've had this really big superstar under their nose for the whole time. And it doesn't at all surprise me that now finally when they're connecting with Wardlow and they're actually giving him a shot, people are loving it. They're going crazy for it. So I just think AEW is not the place right now for big men and black men, and Keith Lee is both. So that kind of makes me nervous. But when all is said and done, the optimist in me feels that he will have hopefully won at least one AEW world title. And I just hope it's not just like, we're just going to do this because it'll make it make us seem like the progression coming. I hope they really give Keith Lee a run and like make him a dominant world champion. Because I think there's a lot of money to be made with Keith Lee, and nobody in national pro wrestling has quite figured that out yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he has the charisma. He has the capability. As long as he be, he's careful of the politics in the back, I think he'll be fine. Um, wanted to hop over to, we already talked about Buddy Matthews, but that story is to be, to be continued with that. But I really want to talk about Isaiah Swerve's, uh, is, is, what is this, his uh, non-NXT name now? Swerve? Swerve the Realist. Swerve the Realist. And uh, at Terminus, I'm not going to get too much in detail because we'll do a special ep- uh, episode on that. But they were yelling and screaming his name. He came off as a star. Um, Swerve the Realist. So talk about Swerve the Realist. Do you, where do you honestly think you think, do you think WWE is like, oh, fuck, we fucked up. We got to, we, 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 we need to get him on the main roster. Or do you think he goes over to a, um, AEW, which just has a lot of talent in the last couple of years. I mean, you're still trying to figure out what to do with Andrade. You know, they're still trying to figure out what to do with him. Yeah. Um, and, and Andrade honestly should be a, a two or three time TNT champion at this point. Um, so wh- where do you think Swerve the Realist goes? I definitely think he goes to AEW. And 
I, too, am pretty nervous that he gets the Andrade treatment in terms of somebody who's super talented and they really don't know what exactly to do with him or how to make him and develop him into a star. I mean, I, I, I hope that Swerve gets a fair shake, but there are just so many people in AEW and the priorities go to the people who, and it helps Swerve that he was part of NXT, but I don't think he stayed in NXT long enough to establish himself like an Adam Cole. And I think that, you know, I, I really do hope that Swerve gets a chance in terms of, at the very least, like a TNT championship caliber wrestler, but that remains to be seen. I just, I haven't seen it work just yet. He gives me and, some. He uh, gives me Booker T. Booker T. vibes and kind of like charisma. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, I could definitely kind of like a leaner, maybe a more light heavyweight version of Booker T. But yeah. he's got something, man. He's an incredible wrestler. Like I really, well, I've never seen him live, and he's oh, somebody he's who amazing. always. Yeah. Even when you Shane Strickland and he was an MLW tearing it up, I've always wanted to see Shane Strickland live because he seems like such a dynamic wrestler. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So Cesaro, we got Cesaro, Cesaro, Cesaro. In my opinion, one of the best wrestlers on the planet, period, breathing. From a, mm-hmm. from a technicality point of view, from a strength point of view, from just, if you're going to build a guy, I've seen him do things in the ring that are unheard of in, in WWE world. And so do you think he also comes to AEW? Because again, we just keep talking about everyone coming over. It's getting bloated. We know contracts are coming up. Um, does he come over to AEW? What do you think? Yes, I mean, I could see it. They're on a signing spree right now, so they're just signing everybody. You know, we talked about Swerve Scott, uh, obviously Keith Lee, Jonathan Gresham, they're saying they even brought him over there to possibly sign him. Yeah. And we're, we just saw Buddy Matthews show up. He looks amazing, by the way, Buddy, Buddy Matthews. Matthews. Shit. Awesome. That guy ripped to shreds. I mean, he's always looked amazing, but, like, he looks incredible in AEW. He's got one of the best physiques in wrestling. Period. And it's just, still kind of shocks me that even though he's a smaller guy, this McMahon is a bodybuilder at heart. So, yeah, they did a little bit with him, but I was always surprised that they never really just plucked Buddy Murphy and said, hey, this guy can go, and he looks like a million bucks. So, they're just starting so many people that I think Cesaro or Claudio, as he'll probably be known in AEW, might get lost in the shuffle. I like Cesaro's wrestling. I'm a fan of his work in terms of in the ring. To your point, you knocked it out of the park and saying that he's one of the best technical wrestlers. You know, right now, going. I will always appreciate that about Cesaro. I've just never felt the star power in Cesaro. And I think a lot of people always talk about how he's underrated and he's not given a chance. I believe he was given a chance. He just never really rises to that moment in terms of like he was with Paul Heyman and that just didn't work out because I just think he like kind of crumbled under the weight of Paul Heyman's charisma and it was never able to recover from that in terms of being seen as a top star. And I just don't think he has the entertainment aspect of sports entertainment. He definitely has a sport. In, in wrestling, he's like a 10 out of 10, maybe an 11 out of 10. Yeah. In terms of entertainment, like what is the most entertaining thing you've ever seen since our Like he's a great wrestler and he's good at the swing and all this stuff. It's yeah. all within the context of a match. He's never had that promo. Yeah. He's never had that moment in terms of outside of wrestling. How are you going to get my girlfriend who's sitting on the couch not paying attention? Is she going to look up for Cesaro? No. <laughs> that's true that's true and and uh and that's a tough thing like you said with with the this, with the talking portion of it that's a big part of wrestling just cm punk and and um mjf their promo against each other alone has like two three million views on youtube so you know and it was the talk of the town i'm really interested as we as we transition to over i'm gonna give wwe some love today this is not all about hopping on aew train i want to talk about sasha banks i think i have mentioned this on a podcast 
previously about Sasha Banks and Naomi tagging up together. Actually, I talked about Bianca Belair, Bianca Belair and Naomi tagging. Talk about the prospects. We we know that the the women's tag title was a begrudging thing created by, uh, you know, for 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 equality for WWE and Vince necessarily <laughs> hasn't put a lot of storyline or anything of any value behind those belts besides unveiling them. Um, I want your personal opinion on a Sasha Banks and Naomi tag team. Can they make those titles matter? And can they be the, I mean, to date the best tag, really the most, I think they, they, there's a story that can be told. They could go down to be, especially we've never really seen a black woman tag team consistently and long with longevity that has dominated uh, where a woman could have a, like I can see Sasha having the women's title and tag. I can see Naomi having a woman and tag. Talk about the prospects of those two tagging together and what what will you feel would be a way to book that appropriately and to present them appropriately? Three words, black girl magic, and then get out of the way. They're, they're <laughs> the black girl magic tag team and just let them do what they do. And I agree with you in terms of those tag team titles. This is the ultimate case of diversity for the sake of diversity. Representation for the sake of representation is the WWE women's tag team titles are there because, well, we've got one for the men, we need one for the women. And that's fine to think that way, but it's like they're not executing that way. They're not treating those titles like anything. The only time they're defended is when they switch hands. Even when Sasha and Bailey had them, which I think was the peak of those titles in terms of meaning something. When Sasha and Bailey had those titles as heels, they were essentially props mm-hmm. as part of making them into this big dominant faction that was going to split up. And those titles were... Uh, ancillary part to it. It wasn't like there are these hot tag team champions that are defending the titles and just killing it around the world. And I do think that that's what Naomi and Sasha can be, is they can be that black girl magic tag team that hopefully is given an opportunity to defend those titles routinely and make those titles into something because they just, they've been such a joke Mm -hmm. and they've been helped by very talented people, but the titles themselves have been treated as a joke. And I love the prospects of Naomi and Sasha Banks as a tag team winning those belts and really adding value to them. They really could be the greatest women's tag team in WWE history, which isn't hard to do. But if they did it, they could set the bar so high that it would be hard to surpass. And I just, I think people are here for it. I was just looking at Twitter when they saw them standing together. People are really here for Sasha Vince and Naomi's tag team. And I'm ready to buy the merch now. I will wear the merch. I will wear whatever they come out with. They win the titles. I mean, I'm buying the merch. I'm watching. You're going to get me to watch SmackDown or Raw, and it's been difficult for me to... Once you get socialized or you get um, engulfed in a culture of, of the way AEW... The thing that AEW does so well is the way that they do present wrestling. It is a wrestling show. You love... It has the Attitude Era-ish vibe. And WWE has to have that balance. And I think, like you said, with getting Cody and maybe getting some other folks back on, they're like, yeah, we're doing our TV thing. Yes, we're doing the WWE-isms. But we're going to still give you some wrestling as well. And we're going to give you some true, pure wrestling. And they, and they try to be everything to everybody. And I think they have some room for true wrestlers. And if Naomi and, the, and, and Sasha Banks with the, the, the star power, the, the goodwill they have with, the, with, with the, rest, the wrestling community at large, they the merch will absolutely sell. And I think they should have the title. They should be the longest reigning. If they, when they do win it, hopefully, they should be the longest reigning women's tag title in the history of WWE. I'm talking about 100 days. Yes. At least. Maybe even a year. Like, yeah. you could get away with doing that because they're not defending a whole hell of a lot, but if you did defend them every pay-per-view and Miami and Sasha Banks went over, and then eventually maybe they split off into a feud, but I would love to see, because we have yet to see that in WWE in terms of women's tag team champions being promoted as two dominant champions who beat everybody. They don't treat the titles like that. They just 
You have the women's tag team titles, and then when they think, oh, let's switch the belts, that's when they're defended, typically. And I think that Sasha and Naomi could be the cure to that. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're going to elevate those titles to, like you said, with the star power, that sells itself. Matter of fact, if they win it, I would change the titles. Mm -hmm. I would rebrand the titles. I would not rebrand them, but redesign them in a way that fits them. And it's like, this is their thing. And because we know the top of the card, they're going to do what they're going to do and uh, go from there. And even maybe, why w- if I'm WWE, why not create a women's faction, an all-black women's faction? Well, you got Naomi, you got Sasha, you got, well, and Bianca's on Raw, so Naomi, and, okay, so they're on SmackDown. So, uh, and then my other question to you before we finish up here, because we got a, two, a couple of other things I wanted to talk to you about. Do you think that at WrestleMania, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are going to unify the titles. I talked about this in a previous episode. Everyone has their differing opinions. The only reason to have them come together, unless you're going to do the Becky Two Belts thing, and I just don't know if the WWE audience really cares that much, if it really adds the the stakes. What do you honestly think will happen at WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar and um, Roman Reigns? Yeah, uh, WWE.com has already said that they've just referred to this as a title unification match. So I I think to a degree they're going to be unified. Now, to WWE, what does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to go with one title and merge the titles? Or does that mean, quote-unquote, they're going to be unified, but you can still defend one title at a time? I think it means they're going to go back to the one title system, which, you know, I'm all for as long as the the champion can be a traveling champion. Yeah. You know, I, I've never been a fan of two world championships. It kind of defeats the purpose of the I world agree. championship. I agree. Uh, but I do understand why they do it because the roster is so big and there's only so many opportunities. So it does create more opportunities if you have two titles. Um, I My gut tells me that Roman Reigns is going to win. Yeah. I think he should win. I think the narrative of Brock Lesnar's beating Roman Reigns at two WrestleManias now. He beat him at WrestleMania 31, beat him at WrestleMania 34. And now, finally, similar to Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, it's like this is... Roman Reigns is finally its chance to beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And I just think that, you know, they've done such a good job with this character in Roman Reigns that I don't know if Brock Lesnar is a guy. He obviously has the credentials to beat a Roman Reigns. But I think whoever beats Roman Reigns eventually should be somebody on the come up, be an, you know, an up-and-coming star. Maybe it'll be a Cody Rhodes. I think that might be the guy who eventually beats Cody, uh, Roman Reigns. Maybe even Cody shows up the night after WrestleMania and beats Roman Reigns for that title. But... I don't think Brock Lesnar, you know, he ended the streak. Do we need to give him Roman Reigns' you know, dynasty as well? Like, it shouldn't be Brock Lesnar, like, the first person who beats Roman Reigns. That's like now uh, uh, a feat that's bigger than any world championship. Is The person who beats Roman Reigns is going to benefit so much. And I just wouldn't feel right if it was Brock Lesnar because he doesn't need it. I agree with you 100%. And, and also, maybe that's the reason why they were cutting down so much of the roster to get back to that one title situation in, when, in which... Oh. Mm-hmm. So because, in me, in my personal opinion, I know some people say, oh, they love the draft. I absolutely hate the draft, to be honest. I get it in terms of refreshing the rosters. You don't want to have... You don't want to become stale. But to me, the again, because I'm an Attitude Era person, I grew up with one... You travel with the different titles. You come back and forth. And you tie the shows in together, and that keeps people happy. And then you go from there. I just thought it was as best you had, even with the stack roster. I mean, you think about the top of the card in WWE from 1999 to 2001. You go from, oh, man, let's go to to 99 to 2001. Top, I mean, they had at least a good 10 people that could be champion. And 
you can do that even with a bigger roster. And again, they've trimmed a lot of people off. So maybe they've already been telegraphing this down the line. So we'll see. But then the, the, the interesting thing would be, what would the women do this? So they're only going to have two titles? You know, that would be interesting if they had, if they did the man's one title, but women two titles. So um, that would be interesting. I love that. I love that thing. I've never heard that anywhere in terms of, because yeah, they're chopping the roster down and people are assuming it's because of the sale of business reasons, which I believe those, but I love the idea or the narrative that they're chopping this roster down because if we're going to have one title, there, there can only be so many people fighting for it. So we really got to chop this roster down to size. Yep. So I, I've never heard that. And I really, it's really making me think now. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I also think it was so dope to hear about the praise that the people's champion, the, 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 the great one, um, the, 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 you know, the, the eyebrow raising, brow beating, all those things, <laughs> um, talked about Montez Ford. He got a cosign from the great one himself. I want you to, I think if WWE does this right, they have absolute gold in their hands. If you think Kofi Mania was so big, which it was, it was a cultural phenomenon, no doubt. And I was on it was the, one of the greatest storylines in the history of pro wrestling in the absolute history. You're talking about 200 plus years. What do you think about Montez Ford getting a cosign from arguably the greatest, one of the greatest WWE, if not the great greatest of all time in terms of just overall value to the organization, Montez Ford, what does a singles run look like for this dude? I mean, his charisma, his look, his physicality, yeah. his character. Um, Vince loves his ex-military guys. Um, I think Montez Ford, WWE got some gold in their hands, man. They got, he's, has he re-signed a contract recently? I don't know. I don't remember hearing anything about Montez Ford and the Street Profits re-signing, but I do think that they still have some time on their contract. Although I think it might be up in 2024 or 2025. So that might be coming up. But uh, yeah, I mean, The Rock knighted Montez Ford because this is not going to go on deaf ears. The Rock comes out and says how much he likes a wrestler and whatnot. And people are going to pay attention. And that's not just coming out of nowhere. This comes from a guy who has some of the best appreciation for pro wrestling of anybody. His family is embedded in the art of pro wrestling in terms of the Anoa'i family. And now you've got The Rock, one of the greatest, you could argue the greatest of all time, yep. now putting over Montez Ford. And I love it because Montez Ford is somebody who they need to go all the way with. I love Kofi Mania. It was like one of the more emotional, just so visceral moments in terms of seeing this black man really be the first black man. I know The Rock, we do give Rock credit and shout out to The Rock, but Kofi Kingston is the first fully black man or African born, as they say, yeah. WWE champion. It was a really special moment to see West Africa in the house. Mm-hmm. But with Kofi Mania, I always felt like they were only going to go so far with him. And mm-hmm. they had him defend the title. But it was very similar when CM Punk was champion. Where maybe the fans loved Kofi and the fans loved CM Punk, but the office was never fully behind them. Mm-hmm. And when it was time to switch the title to Brock, they just beat him like he was nothing and sent him back to the tag team division. So there's always going to be a sour taste in my mouth in terms of how Kofi Kingston's WWE title reign ended. With Montez Ford, it shouldn't be something where it's like the fans have to tell WWE, this is a guy that WWE built from the ground up. He came to WWE, he learned how to wrestle from WWE. He was very good in NXT. He's been excellent on the main roster. And this is a product of WWE similar to Kofi, but I feel like they would like to go all the way with him instead of being bullied (laughs) in some ways by fans of pushing Montez Ford. And I hope that he gets the full push like a Bobby Lashley yes. and becomes a dynamic star because Montez Ford taps into a lot of things that I think WWE and pro wrestling at large can benefit from. He's this 
you know, he's a good-looking guy. He's got a great body. He's got high-flying skills, but he also sings. Yep. If, I don't know if you've seen him even singing. He's actually a very good singer, and he's putting on like a mixtape. He's kind of like a, a Tory Lanez type. Uh-huh. And I think you can have a pop wrestling Drake. Like, Drake is the biggest thing in music right now. If, you, if they went all the way, and I don't have any faith in them creatively to do this, you can create the pro wrestling version of Drake in Montez Ford. Wow. In terms of he's a big star. He's wow. not afraid to show off his sensitivity. He's got this part where he sings sometimes. Uh, and that one really, you know, could create the momentum for WWE on a mainstream level in, on, in, in music. Because then he can get into complex, breakfast club. Yes. He can get into some yes. hip-hop music lanes which so dominate easy. the culture. So You know, easy. in terms of taste. So I, I love the idea of Montez Ford being a the top star in WWE. Truly, and he would be perfect for the culture. I mean, like you said, the Big E, Big e was, I think Big E had gotten to that with The Breakfast Club and the culture mm-hmm. loves him and, and he's charismatic. His charisma is a little bit more bubbly. Montez is a little bit more uh, passion and fire. Uh, but, but Big E has passion too, but I still, I think I think ultimately he he's a more bubbly, lovey-dovey type dude, which that's what we appreciate about him. And he has the ability to be passionate. But when I look at Montez, I just see pure, like pure man, like, like of course Biggie's a man, but I'm just saying when I look at him, he's he's like he's like a he's like a he's like that that two hundred dollar cologne when you look at him. He's, he's yeah. sophi- he has a sophistication about him. He has a he's a fine wine. He's a fine yeah. It's like man, I want to be like like I I want to be like him. My physique would never be that good, but it's like you <laughs> young black men and again especially in the, in, 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 what we need we need a good quality role model. We have had not outside of we have had Kofi, we've had Biggie, but I think. With his military background and and his and he's uh, married to a wonderful human being, uh, Bianca Belair, he could be as big as The Rock from a charisma point of view. Yes, I mean he's not as big. Not, I don't know if it's as big, but I'll say he'll get close to it. He'll get close. He'll get close. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to put that on Montez because it's like yeah, you know, The Rock is like the biggest thing, not even in wrestling, but like in Hollywood. Like so, that, that's a very high standard to live up to, but. Yeah. I agree from the standpoint of he can be a big deal in pro wrestling. It's just, I don't know, the system that WWE has, and this is one of my complaints with WWE, is they've got so many talented wrestlers that we get excited about, like Montez Ford. You can even throw Cesaro in there and whatnot, but I just feel like WWE never gives, unless you're like one, two, maybe three people, they never really give anybody that creative license to shine. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to put you over, here's some ideas, let's work together, and, and we're going to go all the way in terms of like whatever you have, we want to tap into your true essence. I feel like WWE has an idea of what everybody is and plays to the lowest common denominator uh, based on Vince McMahon's tape, you know? And credit to Vince McMahon for being the greatest promoter of all time, but he's also a 76-year-old man who is not tapped into the culture mm-hmm. and is not tapped into the things that make people stars, uh, whether it's on social media and mainstream or on television. And they I can see Montez on, Oh, yeah, I can see Montez on the cover of GQ with the WWE Championship. Period. Yeah. Period. The dude is a walking pro wrestling model. <laughs> he could be on the cover of GQ with a Gucci shirt, with his unbuttoned with his little chain, and he's got the title, yeah. and he's like, just you selling out all the things. He's the hot throb. He's going to be Black Twitter Bay, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he obviously, he's married his wife, but uh, but he, he has that he has that that that, that charisma there. Um, Interesting. EC3 and Braun Strowman starting a promotion. I don't know if I'll be the first to go to any shows. Um, I'm going to see if they do any shows of, of cult, like in areas that have multiculturalism. I feel like they would do very well in Wisconsin and certain parts of Boston. And like they might even do well in like Northern California or something like that. Um, 
What do you think about the prospects of EC3 and Braun Strowman with a promotion? What does that look like? Especially when we know diversity is their own company. They can do whatever they want. But when we, that diversity of conversation, um, is it going to be the wrestling promotion for, uh, you know, for Trumpers? Will it be like an alt-right wrestling promotion? <laughs> I think it's getting a lot of that treatment that they're going to be the alt-right wrestling promotion because wrestling so tribal and they just made a big deal of signing Austin Aries, who, you know, really ties into the alt-right. That's like a borderline QAnon guy. And, yeah. and, and the fact they sign him in this day and age, unfortunately, that carries so much weight that now the promotion, I think, is being defined by that. And the philosophy is being tied to this guy that they signed that's gotten a lot of backlash. So I'm very interested to see who else they sign. If they sign Jackson Riker and if they start signing guys like that, then it's like, oh, okay, maybe I can do it all. And right promotion. And right back. <laughs> right back, yeah. <laughs> well, like, whatever. Like, I'm all, I'm, I'm, um, I'm in support of wrestlers in terms of, I just know how hard this business is. And I like the idea of wrestlers starting their own promotions and being able to, you know, control their narratives and, control their wallets and whatnot and be able to get back and help for us. Because listen, again, this is something that I've said in terms of with all the unemployment and pro wrestling, with all the shuttering, even though it's coming back, but it's now like more of an indie, uh, with the pandemic really wiped out a lot of these indie promotions. So there's in WWE firing everybody, put all these wrestlers out on the street. So the supply of wrestlers is way bigger than demand. So, you're going to need people to start promotions. So this is good. I like the ideas of people starting promotions. I just, you know, again, I'm not, if, if it does end up being like an alt-right promotion, I'm not going to any of their shows. Hell like, no. I don't know if I'm Hell supporting no. that. Hell no. I like DC3. I think he's talented. I think Braun Strowman was a talented big man when they let him shine. He's actually, he literally was a pretty good needle mover in WWE at his peak. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad those guys are doing something else. And I just know, you know, politically they have their own thing, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge them politically if they have their own uh, ideologies and whatnot, but if they're going to tie a political ideology to a wrestling promotion, hell no, I'm not going. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like I, I know, I, again, I, cause I, I respect all, like I said, I don't care if you're liberal or conservative mm-hmm. or in the middle. I don't care. I mean, if you're a good person, you're a good person. We all have the right to pick what we want. I just don't, I, I mean, we, we know uh, with the, even with AEW, we've had issues with representation and stuff. So I'm not expecting, and they run their product the way they want to run it at control your narrative. I'm just interested to see the type, what would be their brand of fan. And I'm curious to see, that the final 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 thing i want to talk to you about is the hardy boys or in the words uh you know uh, uh, yeah the, the 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 hardy boys i think that might help aew get to that two million the elusive two million they are struggling to get a million people consistently on dynamite despite all the buying despite all the hype that's what i mean do you think the uh, Jeff Hardy coming to AEW moves the needle to closer to two million. What do you think the effect truly will be? I know there's some stories that could be told with them versus the Bucks. That is money in hand. They're them versus um, you know the um, the what's the two dudes? Uh, damn, I'm getting I'm getting old. Young uh, Bucks. Not Young Bucks. The other guys, the ball headed guy, the guys that came. Uh, oh, FTR. FTR. Yeah, I'm just like, what acronym do they have? FTR. There's mo- there's money because they are literally the crown jewel of, of tag team wrestling. They were they they they're so important to the culture of tag team wrestling. Do you think that moves the needle? And what do you what are the 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 prospects of the Hardy Boys being together in AEW? What are your thoughts? I do think Jeff Hardy moves the needle. I don't know about no one million. I don't think they're getting to two million, but I do think that. It's, it's expected that Jeff Hardy's going to debut and they build it up. I do think it's a big number. And if they go all the way with Jeff Hardy, which I don't know. You know Jeff Hardy is a veteran. He's in his 40s, I believe. And um, 
I think if they go all the way with Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy as the Hardy Boys, and they're pushed to the top tag team, and maybe they dethrone uh, the, the the you know Jurassic Express. I think it does make a difference. I think AEW's treated tag team division very well. If you watched Dynamite this past week, it came down to like the final six. And so you're seeing one half of all these tag teams and you just got to see how loaded this division really is. Mm-hmm. It's like the final six tag teams could be an entire tag team roster in any company. And that's just the top six. And outside of them, we're not even talking about the Lucha Brothers. You know what I mean? And There's proud and powerful. Teams that they have, proud and powerful. Yeah, but you know, they, uh, Santana was a part of that, but. They, they just have such a loaded tag team division that's treated like a world championship. So if the Hardy Boys get in there and they're able to win those titles and really be a focal point of AEW, I do think that it definitely helps them. Jeff Hardy is a bona fide star. Period. And Somebody he's beloved. He's one of the most yes. beloved. You think yes. The Rock is loved. Jeff Hardy is loved. That's great. Yeah, the great way to put it is that he's beloved. And that's the perfect word because even when WWE tried to bury him yep. and they put him in like opening card matches against Karrion Cross, these people went, they didn't give a crap about how he was looking. And WWE audiences, once you start losing, they'll lose faith in you. They're just trained to believe that if you lose, it's not about the wrestling, it's about winning and loss. But whatever it is about Jeff Hardy, they've just like, whenever he loses and they're burying him or not, the people don't care. They're always with Jeff Hardy. And I just think that there's money to be. It's the problem is it's with Jeff Hardy as well. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy can only be trusted so much, unfortunately, based on his track record. But if he's able to keep his nose clean and him and his brother are dominant tag team champions for maybe a year and this is their last run or whatnot, I mean, yes, it is a needle move. I definitely believe that. I think he'd be worth the money. Oh yeah, and and then and also with Jeff Hardy, it's one of those things where it's like the it was. I think he came back it was a Royal Rumble WrestleMania when they when they came back. I'm on WWE. Well, me, I was in the building. That was the loudest pop I've ever heard in my entire life. That's I what I'm saying. And I was in behind a window. I was in the press box where it's like the pops aren't going to sound as loud. Yet even with the press box, it was the loudest pop I've ever heard in my life. It, yeah, I'm going to actually, when we're done, I'm going to go back to YouTube and, and actually watch it because it, it was, I was watching it at home and I was like, geez, Louis. They are absolutely, and they're true blue WWE guys from, I mean, I'm talking about yeah. from the beginning. Like they've been wrestling with them since they were like 14, 15. Yes, they were jo- remember that? They were jobbers. They would be losing to Rachel Ramon. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing the Hardy Boys and just like a throwaway tag team that <laughs> they would throw in, like whenever they had a new Ryback to beat up two guys at once, they throw the Hardy Boys in there in, in the 90s. And then they just blossomed slowly into this all-time tag team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so great. Well, Alfred, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on as usual. The energy is contagious. When two comedians get together, it is always going to be a fun thing. Talk about, plug your stuff, man, whether, whether there's an article, something that you're working on, or even just your socials. Oh, yeah. Go on YouTube. Go to Pro Wrestling Bits. Uh, I'm going to have a new bit out. Uh, interviewing Booker T, which is also going to be on Forbes. So Forbes, Alfred Kanoa. Um, and also follow me on Twitter, at This Is Nasty. And I'm going to be on Wrestling Inc. three times a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Fridays, on the Wrestling Inc. podcast after Raw, NXT, and SmackDown Rampage. Love it. Love it. Folks, this was, you have to understand how important it is to get a gentleman of this caliber on. This dude is a, has written for Forbes. Hold up. Before we finish, bro, I want you to talk y'all ish. What publications have you written on? Because this is a big thing. We don't just get on this podcast. We don't just get Sally and, and, and Susie May off the back streets of Mississippi. We get top of the line, cream of the crop people. Just kind of go down the list of publications that you've written for. I mean, I've written for Forbes and Bleacher Report, of course. Bleacher Report is where I started. 
And so I went from Bleacher Report to Forbes. So those are the two big ones that I've uh, written for. And I'm very proud of it. Oh, we get award-winning type people here, okay? So thanks, you guys, for all uh, watching Wrestling Wild Black. I like to thank my Germany people, my UK people, my Canadian people, my US people. Send in what you guys want to know. If you want to do different episodes, we're doing deep dives now. Send me in. Send it to wwbpodcastfan at gmail.com. I'm going to say it one more again. wwbpodcastfan at gmail.com. You get to to pick what we want to say. And if you want to come on, if you want to do call-in shows, we're here with for to do whatever. So guys, thanks again for coming on. Wrestling. Wow.